Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources on a Monday. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And just want to continue for just a, a second here our conversation around this $1.9 trillion stimulus package. Uh, it's it's easy to get into the partisan weeds of all of this and to point fingers and place blame and say it's the Democrats this or it's the Republicans that, it's uh, President Biden this, former President Trump that. Uh, and none of that gets us to the real discussion that we need to be ha- having uh, about the spending in the country and what the proper role of government is in terms of helping legitimate Americans in need. Uh, and how that is supposed to work. And sadly, I don't think we're going to get to that kind of conversation at all this week uh, because it will be very partisan. Uh, and you can go back and forth on that, and you can say, okay, uh, he's got a point there, she's got a point here. Uh, you can go back and forth on that all day long, uh, and it can be pretty exhaustive. And there's lots of uh, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, but what about, yeah, but remember when. Uh, and so we have to be careful of that. We need to look at these kinds of things uh, yes, in the historical context, but more importantly, in terms of what does it mean for us now uh, and how we go about things? Uh, there was a uh, a wonderful uh, piece over the weekend uh, from George Will, who's been on this program a number of times, uh, talking about uh, just where we are in terms of our spending. And he, he painted it in a really interesting way. Uh, he said, when Andrew Jackson became president in 1829, 1829, think about that, the national debt was $58.4 million. $58.4 million. Uh, that almost seems like just a pocket change these days. Uh, he didn't like having that debt, and so his Treasury Department declared that they were going to get the national debt to zero, which they nearly did. They got it down to $33,733.05. So that was the entirety of the national debt. Uh, was about the uh, the price of your SUV, <laughs> a small one, n- no leather seats. Uh, so 1835, we had 33,000. Now, in today's dollars, let's let's project it forward now. In today's dollars, that $33,000 national debt would probably be closer to a million. But now here's the here's the number that George Will passed along that we should all be thinking about. So one million dollars is what the federal government will pay in interest on the national debt every 1.4 seconds. Not every year, not every month, not every day, 
not every hour, every 1.4 seconds, we are spending $1 million in interest payments alone. And we continue to spend at an, uh, a rate that is just astronomical. Even if we had no debt, it would still be crazy spending. Uh, but just kind of put that in the back of your mind as you think about all of the debate that's going to happen in the coming days about this $1.9 trillion uh, that will add to our $27 trillion of national debt. And just remember, every 1.4 seconds, another million dollars in just interest. That's not That's not doing anything to help the American people. That's not providing any kind of services, and that's not building roads, and that's not uh, doing Social Security or Medicare or anything else. That's just interest we're paying, a million dollars every 1.4 seconds. And so we really have to have a different kind of conversation. And the scariest thing to me is that we're, we're spending more than, than the whole GDP of the country, uh, there aren't very many societies that have ever survived such a thing. Uh, look to Greece. Look to Venezuela. We, we previews of coming attractions. Uh, it's all there. And so I think we have to to just step back just a little bit. Uh, and, and again, I think there are uh, there are significant challenges ahead of us in terms of of what's happening and what's going on. Uh, and again, when it comes to the 1.9 trillion, uh, let's let's be very clear. Republicans have been equally willing to spend, even though they have always claimed to be the party of fiscal responsibility and smaller government. Uh, they have not lived that for a long time, uh, and so uh, we've racked up. You don't you don't get to 27 trillion by accident, by the way. Uh, and as I have often said on this show, you don't you don't get there by conflict either. The way, the only way you can get to twenty-seven trillion in debt is through collusion, and it's both sides with a, a nod and a wink and a behind closed doors deal to spend more. And until we, the people, say enough of that, uh, it will be the status quo. As I said with uh, <laughs> Dave and Dejanovic this morning, uh, it is a little bit of here's your new boss. Uh, just like the old boss. And Republicans and Democrats alike are spending at unprecedented rates, rates that should cause all of us real concern. Because in the end, in the end, interest rates will go up. They don't have to spike. They just have to go up to historic averages. Uh, and then and then we're really in trouble because we, we can't solve it with a tax increase. You could confiscate all the money uh, of people making over a half a million and, and it wouldn't even come close to denting it. Uh, it does nothing to protect the poor and the most vulnerable among us. Uh, they're the ones who are really going to be hurt by all of this in the end. And, and while there are a lot of challenges and a lot of difficulties ahead, we've got to watch for where the truth falls and where the debate can be done in front of the American people and not behind closed doors. We deserve better. We should expect more as citizens of the United States of America. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference.
two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.